The Grant Professional Certified Credential, also known as the GPC, is available to experienced grant professionals who can successfully demonstrate their knowledge of the competencies and skills required in the grants profession. One of our longtime friends and listeners, Kathy Hatfield, wanted to let everyone know about the importance of the GPC. Kathy says the GPC helped build her thriving consulting practice. We asked Kathy to tell us in her own words about the power of the GPC, and she said this, Getting my GPC in 2017 helped me to develop a sense of professional purpose while highlighting my past achievements in the grants profession. She continued, I wanted something visible for me and my clients, something that was validated by a third party and recognized as the standard for professionalism in our field. Kathy told us she's found the GPC extremely beneficial. The more of us that become GPCs, the stronger our profession grows. If you would like to learn more about what it takes to become a GPC, please go to grantcredential.org backslash sign up to learn more and subscribe to the newsletter. Well, hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayes Namuga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to Season 4 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We're doing more in Season 4 to help nonprofits, local governments, and the consultants who serve them raise more money and get more grants by sharing real-world experiences and interviews with experts in getting it done. You may hear a y'all or two along the way, and singing and strange sound effects. That's right. And there's more of us to love in season four because we got episodes dropping every other week all year long. So let's get into it. This podcast is brought to you by season four sponsor D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com? Check it out today. Okay, Kimberly, I want to start today's podcast out with a question for you. Ask your question. I'm not afraid. Okay. How long did you mull over the idea of starting your own consulting business before you made that leap? 412 years and 28 <laughs> days. <laughs> oh. I um, took so long. It was more, th- there was three years as, as, as you know, there were three years of me really getting down to the brass tacks of it. But it's I think it's something I've wanted to do for much, much longer than that. Just misunderstood or locked myself in, didn't think creatively enough about there are many different ways to start mm-hmm. your own business in this field. There are many business models. There are many ways you can be. And yeah, I just it just took me a while to, to get it together. But I'm here. Yeah. Well, honestly, I was almost on the other end. I was always very fascinated with consultants and thought like, man, that's so cool. But I never thought I would do it. Like I just assumed for the longest time, I really loved where I was working. I thought I'd always be employed somewhere full time. Um, And it really wasn't until I had the need because of some family stuff that I needed to be part time that I really started looking into my options. And even then, my husband kept saying, just consult. But I was freaking out about, well, 
how do I know how much money I'll make? And so when the training opportunity popped in my life, I thought, well, okay, I can train and then I can dabble in consulting just to make sure I kept up with some things. Right. Um, but for me, it was certainly not something I had thought about ever making that leap into. I think also I know one of the things I know that we both talked about is neither one of us wanted to be um, only doing one one thing, like only what writing grants or yes. only training or yes. although we would love to just only do a podcast. I'm not going to rule that out, but I mean, in terms <laughs> of seeking variety. Yeah. 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 No, that's true. important. Both of us. Well, and I think too, for some people, the idea of consulting can be scary because a lot of times when you see consultants, it's the ones that, you know, you and I, you know, the folks that we hold in such high esteem because they have these huge businesses and they have multiple people either working for them as employees or they have subcontractors and they're just doing all these things and they've got websites and they've got this and they've got that. And like you and I, we, we consult, but nobody works for us and we don't all have our own websites. And I don't think either of us, you may have a business card. I don't even have a business card. So it, it is, it's important to point out that their consulting is such a wide variety of things and options and ways to, to make it happen. Right. So it's true. It's like the more, if you want to make the leap into consulting, then it's just sort of the more you can learn and explore, then I think the better off you'll be and not be locked into there's 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 one model. So, yeah. So today, obviously, we're talking about starting your own consulting business, and we decided to bring in some big guns to join us. So you may remember we had this lovely lady on with our procurement episode back in season two. We are talking to Lucy Morgan. You may know her better as my Fed trainer. Lucy is a CPA and a former corporate controller of a nonprofit organization that received more than 190 million, yes, million with an M there, in federal grants. She's a GPA-approved trainer, speaker, and author of three books, including Decoding Grant Management, The Ultimate Success Guide to Federal Grant Regulations and 2 CFR Part 200. Lucy is a highly regarded trainer whose techniques and teaching style come from real-world experiences. Her company, MyFedTrainer, offers online trainings in grant management, grant writing, procurement, and many other topics. She's also the host of Grant Talks, a podcast about grants. So, Lucy, thanks for joining us. We're so glad to have you back. Well, thank you for inviting me, both Amanda and Kimberly. I'm, I'm thrilled to come back for Season 4. It's great to have another podcasting uh uh, peep uh, in the grant world talking about grants. I know, Thank you for inviting me. I think this may be an important moment. I think that Lucy is our first repeat guest. She is. There needs to be wow. a sound effect for that, Kimberly. Dun, I don't dun, know what it should dun. be. That one works. I feel very <laughs> honored. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Ooh, so. So obviously you have my Fed trainer, you've got your own um, business. Um, and so I'm curious, what was the catalyst for you to make the leap from being an employee to starting your own business? Because clearly you were working for a, a nonprofit that was dealing with a lot of grant money. What made you decide to leave that behind and go out on your own? Well, I'm not someone who uh, expected to be an employee, oddly enough. Um, really? I most of my younger part of my life, I was searching for a business to run. My uh -huh. grandpa had a hardware store as a little kid. Uh, my first job was dusting the toy aisle at my grandpa's hardware store. And he was had that hardware store for many years. And I was always looking for, you know, some idea so I could have my own business. 
And I went through a number of different attempts early in my 20s. I didn't go to college right out of high school. And I thought, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And I'll just give you, I'll date myself a little bit. Um, One of my first big ventures is I got uh, $5,000 in startup capital from my mom. And I started a mail order uh, spice and nut business. And this was before the internet. And I spent my entire startup capital typesetting my first catalog. And back then, there wasn't even word processing. So if you changed a price, you would need to retypeset and print your catalog. So (laughs) business is so much easier now than it ever was before. And so the first thing I just have to tell people is if you think business is hard, and it is hard, it was way harder before. You have access to compete on a global stage now, and you don't have to have your catalog typeset. So, and for you, you who haven't don't know what typesetting is, you can Google it and probably watch a YouTube video. That's what they did before word processing. We could so, go back in time. Yeah. So I got into you know about my 30s and said, okay, you know this isn't hasn't worked out. I'm going to have to you know punch my ticket, get on the train. And I went back to college, got my degree, became a CPA, and I worked mostly in the for-profit world as a corporate controller. And like many people who work in the for-profit world, eventually you kind of go, uh, is this really who I want to be when I grow up? You know, the, we went through the rounds in technology companies of layoffs and hire backs and, and just everything that goes with working in the for-profit world. And I thought the nonprofit world would be my savior and career until I retired. And so I had this uh, opportunity come my way to work for a nonprofit. And I thought this will be great. And, you know, maybe this is my chance to be the CFO and retire as a CFO because I knew the CFO was going to be retiring eventually. And we got, um, we had a five-year construction project and we got towards the end of that and we had a, a few bumps in the road, like many mm-hmm. grant recipients do, where in the old model of grant recipients where you get the money, you spend most of it, and then they come in and tell you you did something wrong. And you think, well, why didn't you tell me that years ago and we could have fixed it, but instead they wait until you have an audit finding. So with an audit finding, one of the things that happens is you get a corrective action plan, um, which usually says that there's some training component. So part of my job as a corporate controller was to go out and find training so that we could prove that we wouldn't do it the wrong way ever again. And we were fortunate. It wasn't a big deal. It was a small dollar thing on whether or not blue jeans were an allowable cost as a uniform or whether they were unallowable because they were goods or services for personal use. So that was my big training moment. Oh, wow. And I started, we had people from Antarctica to Alaska, literally. We had, we're putting in these monitoring stations all over the place. And I didn't really want to have to bring everybody, at the time I was living in Colorado, I didn't want to have to bring everybody back and fly them to Colorado to get training. So I thought, well, how about if we could figure out a way to do this on, you know, through the computer? Again, this was, you know, before the Zoom calls and all the rest of it. And I started doing that and I thought, you know, I, I always wanted to have my own business and I think I could do this. And I just kind of had that epiphany moment one morning. I woke up and I said, I want to become an e-learning specialist. And so I thought, okay, I'm, there's, this, there's always been this call to be an entrepreneur. I was going to leave what had become a very comfortable position and a career and just take that stab and go for it. 
And that's what I did. So that's was really um, starting my own business was a lifelong dream that as I got into that part of my life where, you know, you want to make sure you have the money to pay the mortgage and things like that. Sometimes you stray from where you thought you would end up. And one of the things that I discovered at that point in my life that was very pivotal is I would tell people that when I grow up, I just want to be who I am. And in working in corporate America for so many years, I did not like the way that we often were called to treat people. And one of the things that was very important to me when I started my own business was to be able to choose how we treat people and to find something that was more aligned because the buck stopped here. We, I can choose how I treat people and I hopefully I'll treat them very well because that's an important core value to me. And so once that happened, it was um, a little bit easier to leave in some ways, but it, it felt like the natural progression of my life to make that next step. Wow. wow. I, so, I don't think I've ever heard your story before. Yeah, so, no. look up, so Google typesetting so you all yes, know what typesetting Google. is. <laughs> Millennials, Gen Zers out there, get on it. I know what it is, but I don't fall into those demographic groups which I think are just an artificial construct anyway, but all that aside. So it sounds like you, this, you're doing something that you always wanted to do and you are in a place where, like you said, the buck stops with you and you're also able to treat people the way that you think people should be treated. Was there, what was the biggest surprise maybe not not the cost of typesetting, because I'm sure that was a shocker back in the day. But um, in your current business configuration, when you left to say, I'm going to be an e-learning specialist, and you're, you've started your business, what was the biggest surprise of it all? I, I think the the biggest surprise, and first of all, you're going to have you're going to be second guessing yourself. You're you know you have those moments. I mean, I can say that this is the hardest job I've ever loved. Um, there's those drop to your knees moments of going, why can't I figure this out? You know, I think many entrepreneurs go through that. Um, but I think what surprised me most is the importance of a bigger mission. So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to have my own business. But what that business was has evolved over time. And if you had asked me at any point in my life, did I think that my business would be getting up on national stages and talking to people and becoming an author and writing books and training in front of large groups, I can't think of anything farther from an accountant's mind, honestly, right? We were numbers yeah. people, we're introverts. Uh, the idea of talking in front of people was almost paralyzing me with fear. And one of the things I loved about the idea of online training, which isn't new to me because that's how I started, is as an introvert, I wouldn't have to talk to people. And I was so paranoid about talking to people that I actually hired a voiceover person to record. I scripted all my original classes and had someone else's voice a professional voiceover person narrate all the classes because I was that terrified of talking in front of people. Um, so what surprised me the most is probably the fact that once I listened to my audience who said, we want you to come do this. We want you to come in person. We want you to come talk about grants. And I chose to, instead of saying no, which is what I really wanted to say and say yes, and then figure it out how much I enjoyed getting out and talking to people in person and, and the um, 
the ability to interact with people from all over the world really has just, that surprised me. I thought, I, I, I not thought, I am an introvert. I still need to charge up my batteries after I train and have some, no, don't talk to anybody for a little bit and, and charge up my batteries that way. But I really love the interaction with people. Um, and so having that bigger mission and what, for me, the bigger mission became, I remember being a grant professional and feeling like the Maytag repairman. And I don't mean the new buff guys who are the Maytag repairman. I mean like the old lonely guy with the dog um, <laughs> where I just was all by myself. I didn't know anybody who was trying to do better with grant management. I just was so lonely. I didn't know any, I wasn't a member of any association. I didn't know about any associations. And I remember that feeling. And so every time I would get up on a stage it really became a mission for me to speak for those people who had no voice. And so I think um, what really surprised me getting back to the, that original comment is the importance of having a mission bigger than yourself to get you through those tough times that you're going to have inevitably as a consultant or an entrepreneur, those moments where you want to go get a job and, you know, to have that bigger mission that whatever, even though there may be some, bends and twists in your path that 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 bigger mission will drive you through those tough times also shout out to introverts everywhere i i think lucy and i are proof that being an introvert doesn't mean that you need to go live in a cave all your life i just can't say that enough because i've had people go you have a you co-host a podcast but you're an introvert how does that work i'm like am i not talking to you right now do are we not having a conversation so it's just a recorded conversation which is so much um so much more of a pleasure than say i always fall back on the you know the cocktail party that's a business event where you have to network with uh, just no <laughs> I just, I just, and amanda knows from when i when i go to conferences i'm, I'm sure lucy would agree too it's like I am around people and then I have to go into the cone of silence in the hotel room and then I can come back out, but I can't go, go, go all the time. So, yeah. And, and I think there's so much of baggage that we all bring um, yeah. to our business and our views about things like sales. Ooh, I don't mm -hmm. want to be salesy because mm -hmm. we have this paradigm in our mind of when we're selling, we're trying to persuade people for something they don't want. Um, and so for me, I guess a second thing that really surprised me is how much I enjoy business development and sales mm -hmm. because I was able to get past that paradigm in my mind of what sales were and realize this is just how I help more people. And that is totally aligned with my core mission is I want to help more people. Mm -hmm. And in order to help more people, you have to be able to tell them what it is you have that might help them. And really, that's that's what that at its heart, that's what sales are: is to make people aware of what your solution is. Um, and, and it's and not big, to persuade people to do something they didn't want to be, you know, do or be. It's not like you're selling ShamWow, you know, <laughs> unless they wanted a ShamWow. Unless, unless their pain point was they couldn't clean, you know, they needed a great towel. But I think that's the I think that's just prevalent in grant seeking and in fundraising, right? I just get really incensed. I try not to, but when people are like, oh, I just beg for money. I'm like, no, man, that's not what I do. I connect people who want to give with causes where, you know, it, it's a good fit and it makes sense. And both, you know, people, I mean, it's like a, it is a, it's the cliche of win-win because 
people want money to do good things. And then people who have money generally want to give that money to do good things. So it all kind of comes together. And and there's going to be those moments where you're, you know, throwing up your hands and kind of backing away from things going, oh, this isn't what I signed up for. I thought it was just going to be all rainbows and unicorns. And that really brings in the importance of in meeting those people that either motivate you or challenge you or hold up that mirror to say, wait a minute, when you talk about things like you're begging for money, what are your words reflecting to others? So it finding some of those, you know, having good business coaches and mentors um, and just people that I never wanted to call up and say, you know what, I quit my company and I went back and got a job. And having those people in your life where I just, even in the toughest times when I'm ready to throw in the towel, I just could never pick up the phone and have that conversation. And that would get me to the next point. So it's really important to have some of those, you know, kind of the Jedi warriors in your life um, as you move forward. Well, and I was, my next question was going to ask about, you know, is training something you always wanted to do, but you've kind of already answered that, that really wasn't on your radar until you had to do it for work. Right. So instead, what I think I'd ask you is, I think for a lot of people, the fear of going out on your own, whether it is as a training company or a consultant who's writing grants or a fundraiser or whatever it is, is that fear of, you know, getting started as far as like, how am I going to get clients? And you talked about, you know, you kind of have to sell yourself. Do you have any advice to share on just how to go about making people aware that I'm here, I'm in this space and I've got this great service to offer? So here's the issue. And th- this was some wise advice I got from a, my, one of my business coaches early sure on is when you start a business, you don't know if you've planted radishes or an apple orchard. And for those of you who are gardeners, you know, radishes are like the first quick thing that come up in the garden where apple orchards are take years before you get any fruit. And you don't really know that, I think, in many cases when you start a business, especially as a consultant. And in my case, I started early enough in the game that there really wasn't anybody doing quite what I was doing in the way I was doing it. So you don't know if you are actually building a market or you're actually moving into a market. So I think one of the first pieces of advice I would give you is find some ways to make the cash come in faster. And if your long-term strategy is to plant that apple orchard, maybe you have to have a hay crop in between the rows for a while so that you have some money coming in. And oftentimes the very first client you have may be your former employer. And consulting is actually one of the quickest ways to get the money flowing in the door if you're trying to build something larger for the long haul. Now, some people just all they want to do is consult, and that's fine. Um, I found that probably to be the easiest way uh, to get money in the door faster is to say yes to consulting Um, because um, there's needs and you have skills and it's just a matter of getting connected up with the right people. So. Don't sit in your basement wondering why people don't come to you. You have to get out either virtually or get out in person and let people know what you do. If no one knows, you can't be the best kept secret, right? You can't wait. It's the old saying about if you build a better mousetrap, the world will beat a path to your door is BS. Um, <laughs> the path, they're not beating a path to your door. You have to get out to as many people as you can and let them know you're year around. And so for me, what really was a game changer for me was LinkedIn. And 
LinkedIn, I just started connecting. Not don't connect with everybody who you you know in the world. Connect with people who might need what you have to offer, and so I started doing that. And then of course you get one, and then you're connected with their network as a second connection, and then you can invite their network, and you just work at that every single day, and then you are actually helpful. If you know if you're a helpful person, people want help. So that's it's kind of a secret weapon. Uh, people ask me a question, and I typically will answer a question. Um, but LinkedIn also has this secret thing. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, especially on your phone app, that when people uh, respond and connect with you, there's a little sound that sounds a lot like when you're playing the slot machines, you know, in Atlantic City, and you get that positive reinforcement. And pretty soon you find yourself inviting people all day long because you get that that feedback as you hear the little ka-ching thing go um, <laughs> in the notifications. Uh, but that's a great way for people to get to know you. If you're not a social media person, I'm just going to say, I don't care. Um, I wasn't a social media person either, but that's what you do is I want to help more people. And if people don't know about me, I can't help them. So I need to let as many people as possible know about me and not people that, you know, I can't use my services. So don't spend a bunch of time with inviting, you know, getting hooked on the numbers. Like I, you know, I can connect with everybody. You don't need everybody. You just need people who need what you, what service you're offering. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier when you were first getting started out that you, you know, you, you didn't know any of grant associations and groups and things like that to begin with. And I can't stress enough from my experience, how much finding those right groups can be helpful um, Kimberly and I are both very involved in the Grant Professionals Association, and I know you are too, Lucy. Um, and honestly, that's how I've gotten quite a bit of work through, because I mean, there's so many consultants that have more work than they can handle. And they're always, whether it's just a one-off, can you do this one grant for me? Or, hey, do you want to work 10 hours a week for me? And that's a great way to get your foot in the door. But you, you're right. If you don't, if you don't show up to these meetings and join these groups, you're not going to meet these other people that are doing the same work, which, you know, if you had told me that 20 years ago, I would have been like, but those are my competitors, aren't they? But it's, it's surprising how much there is more than enough work to go around in our field. And people are always on the hunt. And I'm, you know, and I love nothing more than when someone calls me going, Hey, I'm looking for work. And I go, well, Hey, someone else just told me they were looking to hire. Let me put you two together. And uh, I'm with, to me, there's, I almost enjoy that better than getting my own client to know I've helped two people out who, you know, have a need. So that's a, is the amazing thing about the grants profession is it is people who love to collaborate and love to be helpful. Absolutely. Gosh, I wish I had found this so much earlier in my life because it's just every day is such a thrill to work with people with that mindset. Mm -hmm. um, people genuinely want to help each other. And I was probably years before I realized the importance of connecting with associations. Um, so I could have shortened my path quite a bit by just getting connected earlier and ideally connected before I, you know, launched my business would have been really smart, but yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Um, you, and I would just would be, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I would just say one thing um, with what, what Amanda was talking about is it's great to connect with people. But don't be that person on social media who never likes anything, never comments, and just sends me messages wanting me to, you know, do stuff for free or direct mm -hmm. them to my entire audience. It is about building relationships. And social media is still a relationship. And do I want to encourage and help anybody I can who puts out 
just a little bit of effort to have a relationship with me? You bet I do. There's also those people that don't want to put out any effort and just want you to, you know, connect you with their audience. And, and I, I, I don't have a lot of time for that. The, I, I call them the people that want to pick my brain for a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> we could probably do a whole podcast episode on the people that want to pick <laughs> just, your brain for a cup of coffee. I get so offended with that. It, it, or pre-pandemic, it's like, oh, can I just take you to lunch? Can you just, I think I want to be a grant writer. Can I just take you to lunch? Can you tell me how to do it? And I'm like, first of all. Okay, in one hour. Mm-hmm. It's, in one hour, let, I was like, wow, you're either really smart or I'm really dumb or I don't know which one it is. But um, yeah, I just find that I, I had someone uh, want to volunteer at, at, when I was a development director and, and uh, to volunteer in fundraising. And so I would always, you know, I was always cautiously optimistic, but then the, I was, so I was corresponding with, with uh, someone with a larger company. I'm like, there could be, you know, but it turns out that they wanted to leave the company and they wanted to become a grant writer and they wanted me to come in on the weekends and teach them to write grants. And that was their, they were going to volunteer. I was like, Y'all, I mean, I don't, I was having a little bit of a kids get off my lawn moment, probably, or old man yelling at clouds. We just did a, a presentation with the Simpsons where the grandpa's yelling at the clouds, but I was just like, wow, that's, that's not right. How about, and I said, hey, there were, at the time it was, um, the foundation center has, um, some free classes that can get you started. And the grant professionals association, which you mentioned might've been one of the pieces of advice that you might've wanted to give yourself in that first year is let me check out these associations. But yeah, I think the, that preparation, but when I see someone or when I, someone's reaching out to me and they, they, they genuinely, it, it's a two way street, then it's just, yeah, it's just very different than tell me everything, show me everything, you know, here's, here's a hummus platter. It's just not really, a, it's not really a realistic connection to make. And if you think of the hero's journey, which I think most entrepreneurs go through some version of the hero's journey. And there's another good thing for our audience to Google if they want to find out about typesetting or the hero's journey is that you have tests and any entrepreneur is going to have tests. You have those trials and the importance of knowing both who your allies are and also your enemies are. And time vampires are enemies to your success. There's my little tidbit for you. It's, it's a podcast with homework. It's like, I'm digging it. <laughs> this makes me think, have you seen, there's a popular t-shirt that's going around on social media that it's just a very plain t-shirt and it just says, I'm billing you for this conversation. And I think we all might need that occasionally just to throw that on when someone's having a conversation with us. <laughs> I think it could work both ways. So if you are thinking about becoming a consultant or you're looking at different plans or you want to learn how to have a um, start a podcast, there, there are ways to do it. Yeah. Uh, there are ways to reach out to, to me, to Amanda, to you, Lucy, without, yeah. Can you teach me everything on your free time because I'm volunteering for you? Yeah, there are other ways. There are other ways to do that. Yeah, like I back to what I said, it's a great profession. It's a very encouraging profession, but it is about building relationships. So be the person that brings something to the relationship as well. Well, I think you shared a few of these things we um, already, but we were curious if you could go back during that first year. So you mentioned associations. Um, anything else you would like to have known during that first um, year? 
I think um, the, one of the other things is to build on small successes. I was very much of trying to build the big, huge thing right from the beginning. And for example, I invested in Salesforce, which was like trying to put in a push pin with a sledgehammer. Oh, no. um, yes, it was expensive. It was complicated, but I wanted to have be ready for when that business just started flowing in. And I would have been much better served to bite off smaller pieces and build mm-hmm. on those small successes. So for example, in my uh niche not only do I do training but I also do templates and it took me a little bit of time to realize hey everybody needs this template it wasn't a huge uh, thing for me to build it and then I could just start generating some revenue from that so think about some small solutions Um, you know you probably all get those things on Facebook where it's $17 for this spreadsheet that helps you do x y and z or whatever it is maybe it's a consulting don't look at getting the giant consulting multi-year consulting contract right out the bat but how could you help them with maybe a what i call a 10 pack you know 10 hours worth of consulting or something like that just get that small small successes and then you can build on that and what happens when you're building those small successes is your clients start telling you what they need And that sweet spot is where you have things that you find very easy that they find very difficult. That's Mm -hmm. the sweet spot. Because if it's something that you feel like, you know, I could do this in my sleep all day long. And they're like, oh, thank you. We're so glad you're here because we've just struggled with this. Listen, listen to them when they tell you things like that. Um, You know, when they're when they're happy and it's something that you feel like I could do this all day long and it's not it's not that hard for me, but it's difficult for other people. Bingo. You got a winner right there. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Wow. That's fabulous. <laughs> and she advice. provides her own sound effects. Is there anything that Lucy cannot do? I- now you see why she's our first repeat guest. That's right. <laughs> well, That's Lucy, right. Lucy, one of the things I most admire about you, which there's a lot, is you so keep up with all the latest and greatest, greatest changes when it comes to federal rules and management and regulations. So I need to know how you do it. Like, do you have a favorite place? Like, is there some sort of Google alert you're doing? Is there a favorite place you go and read on the daily? How, how do you keep up? Because it seems lately there have been a lot of updates and changes compared to years past. Yeah, we went from the the hose at full force up to the fire hose at full force. No doubt. Mm-hmm. And the the big thing is that the change is constant and it's accelerating. So how do you deal with change that's accelerating and how in my mind you do that is it highlights the importance of frameworks in how how you deal with things and I I think back to when I was in college and I took you had to take ethics in college which always struck me as pretty funny because if you aren't ethical by the time you get to college I don't know how one class in ethics is going to really help you that much but I I digress Um, but what what it struck me what struck me in that class was what they taught us was not how to be ethical but ethical frameworks for decision making And so I think that really applies in this information overload world is have a framework of how you stay up to date. And then things will constantly be at you. You almost need to filter. There's so much going on at all times that it's easy to do that squirrel, you know, that you're, Mm -hmm. you're getting distracted. So for me, um, how I keep up with information is I 
my phone, you know, I have my phone and I have my feeds on my phone. So I will typically, if I have a few minutes, I'm just scrolling through LinkedIn to see what's posting on LinkedIn. When you start connecting with people on LinkedIn and you connect with other influencers on LinkedIn, of course, you're starting to see their feeds. It mm-hmm. takes a village to stay up on all this stuff. Yes. And I know that I miss lots of it. I'm constantly hearing about things and I'm like, oh, I didn't I didn't hear about that before. Oops, I better get that shared out because if I don't know about it, probably somebody else doesn't know about it either. Um but I find that you'll start to f- see a pattern of people who are pretty, pretty constant posters. And so some of the companies that I uh, typically will follow because they've got bigger budgets. And so they have people who are watching all this stuff. Uh, number one are things like software companies that are specialized in our field. So the companies like Amplifund or Blackbaud or eCivis. You know, they have people that are constantly bringing, highlighting things that are going on. And oftentimes they'll have webinars about them or they're at least it's in the feed so that I'm getting aware of it. So software companies are a good place to start. Associations are really the gold standard because, again, they have a lot of people connecting in and and bringing that information to the forefront. So the three associations that I typically am monitoring are, of course, the Grant Professional Association. Um, Because I'm focused on federal grants, I also follow the NGMA, which is the National Grant Management Association. And then I'm not as involved with research grants, but for those in the research community, NCURA, N-C-U-R-A, Uh, is another one that I would follow Uh, because as things come up that are important to those communities, they're putting, they're pushing that out on social media as well. Um, And then finding some people who like the, you know, have great podcasts uh, who are active on social media, uh, whatever your social media choice is um, to just have that feed. So you're just every day spending, just don't spend all day, but every day you're spending a few minutes just scrolling through and seeing if something catches your eye. One of the things you'll find is that as you start, it's almost like, you know, when you buy that car and then all of a sudden you see them everywhere, Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how brains work. And so when you're starting to think about grants or grant management or federal grants or grant writing, and you start to have that in your brain, you start to see it everywhere. I mean, I, one of the challenges I love to do when I was doing the, you know, go out in person is to get a local paper and bring, I, for any of those of you who are Muppet fans, remember pigs in space. Oh, yeah. I, I used to do grants in the news and I could pick up a paper and just about anywhere and have some stories that would have stories about grants in some relationship. So you just start seeing, once you start looking, you'll start seeing. Yeah. Very true. So when you're not checking all your phone, I feel like your phone, if your phone were to be teleported to another universe, it might be uh, challenging for you to move on and get all the information you need. But I think those are great suggestions. And before I ask the next question, I just also want to offer something that a client taught me the other day. And she um, also needed to monitor social media, but then there was also personal social media. So she set a timer um, in an app. Of course, I can't remember, the, the, but that it's like you're kicked out after a certain number of minutes, which may sound a little draconian or a little extreme, but I was like, oh, setting a timer or scheduling. So what I'm getting at is taking that to 
setting um, some sort of timer to, to monitor what are the new opportunities at grants.gov for the people I'm working with? Or in your case, you're like, and what does Blackball, what are these, what is, what is LinkedIn going to tell me in the next 10 or 20 minutes? I just think that that was a great suggestion that she made. And I was just sort of coupling that with your point about setting up feeds and monitoring the feeds, but not just going down the rabbit hole with it. Yeah, and I think that's a very valid point. Um, it's more important that you do a little bit every day than that you do a lot in one day. Um, it's it's almost like brushing your teeth, right? You don't want to just brush your teeth for two hours once a month, right? You just do a little <laughs> bit every day and Not life will be good. Not if you want to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's more important. And so when you get it, you want it to be a good habit, not a bad habit. And a good habit is to just spend a little bit of time for some reasonable amount of time there. We have that reasonable thing. That sounds like federal grants all the time, doesn't it? Reasonable. Um, and just do a little bit every day. Don't, don't let it suck up your day. But if you do it every day or, you know, every business day or whatever, you'll be amazed in a month, in a six months, in a year, just how a much of an authority you will feel like. And you won't even have to stay in a holiday inn. I like it. That is the hot, that is that sort of the, I know it's like the federal traveling uh, hotel chain of choice uh, oftentimes because of their, yeah. I was, well, I was like, to be the, the commercial. commercial. They were looking for a doctor and he's like, well, I'm not a doctor, but I did I stay in Holiday Inn. I totally missed that reference. Thank you whole, for the, if you want any, if you want any obtuse humor, you just come right to me. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I'm Lisa, Kimberly and I presented this morning and I used that line and I can see the look on her face like, what is that? I, know, I, was, I was like, anything? it's the second time today. <laughs> Am I gonna, see, and now you're seeing the Holiday yeah. Inn references everywhere, yep. right? You probably now see the commercial. Happened. And even more, it'll probably come up on your phone now. Oh my God. <laughs> it's going to scare me. No, Where I thought, it? I was like, I don't get it. And then Amanda's remodeling the basement of her house. I'm like, is it time? Is it time for me to move in? And, and you know, is she going to get me like a little caretaker monkey and I'll be dead? Is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a pop, it was a pop culture reference that I didn't get. But now I now I get it. But there speaking of big things, so big and important that I got the holiday in reference. But what are your you've got your incremental knowledge You've got your online classes, but you have the heart and soul of an entrepreneur. So what do you, what's the next big thing for you in this field? So this has been very transformative period of time, right? We've gone, we've gone from where I felt like I was on the pinnacle. I'm on the big stage. Um, there's that moment when I stood on the stage at BBCon, which is Blackboard's big conference, oh, which nice. is the most beautiful they have the most beautiful conferences before covid and i you, know, you have that moment of how did i how did a little kid from northern minnesota get here you know <laughs> it's got the big lit thing behind me and and i just it was really felt like that you know i had achieved this this great thing and i was you know overbooking classes so that i had to have duplicate classes and all these things are so wonderful and I had someone in my class in February of 2020 um, who had to cancel kind of at the last minute because she thought she had the flu really bad <laughs> and so she wasn't in the class and then I went home preparing for the next month and the whole world changed right and we stood on the precipice and kind of looked over the edge and thought am I going to survive this um, 
you know, what's, what's the new normal going to be? Uh, I was actually working on a presentation the other day and I was putting in how things changed about, well, um, 15 weeks to slow the spread. And I went, no, wait a minute. That wasn't 15 weeks. That was 15 days to slow the spread when this first came out. And here we are almost two years later, still not really knowing what's going on. So there's this evolution that that's taken place um, over and transformation over the past years. Um, Fortunately, I was, you know, I was online before online was cool. Like uh, who was it? Barbara Mandrell. I was country before country was cool. Yeah. So the online part, had always been happening we just do more of it now than than we were doing before so that was an easy pivot for for the company um and one of those things that you'll find in working in the online community is you're able to scale more so we're able you know i'm able to actually help more people by having this ability to uh, train virtually as well Um, So one of the big transformations that happened for me was to realize that I was only kind of, if you think of like a one-handed clap, you know, I'm like clapping and no one can hear me. And I realized I wanted to have the whole grant life cycle available. That was always missing from my Fed trainer because we were so focused on post-award. And so what we did in this year was we launched a collaboration with Diane Leonard of DH Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services to bring the pre-award, the grant writing piece in. And so that was my first collaboration with another trainer through MyFed Trainer. And so that's been really exciting and, and really just fun to work around grant writers and see how their brains work and how what they're doing then feeds into grant management. So as a grant manager, working post-award, learning about grant writing has been really interesting to me, not because I want to be a grant writer, but just to see the whole life cycle from start to finish. And I think it has been for Diane as well to be able to come and see, oh, this is how this all feeds into these things that happen at the end. And she probably has more advantage than I do because she has worked on the the funder side and and through the end of the closeout and things as well. so that was that was like our first big up level into starting to do more collaboration. And it went so well, um, I've thought I need more of this. And so there's two big things that I'm not going to give away too much. Um, just do the little tease, but uh, I am anticipating more collaborations for to help flesh out that grant life cycle into more of the, the training that people need. And then I also am working on a big project uh, having to do with um, more templates that help not only grant recipients, but also people who are helping grant recipients to have quality training materials. So those have been the two big initiatives that we're working on that we're going to roll out uh, in the coming year. Um, Is you know, people, people, we're all trying to train the same set of regulations. So why is it so hard uh, to get that information out and make that easier for people to come up to speed faster. So that's really been my focus is how do we help more people uh, just do a better job with grants from the pre-award through the post-award and have better outcomes. I mean, a a trillion dollars, we we popped up over a trillion dollars in obligations for federal grants. That's just unprecedented and it's an unprecedented opportunity for our communities. So um, I'm really focused on what I can do to help our communities get access to those funds, 
not have to repay any funds because they don't know what they're doing. And trust me, with all the stimulus funds, it's really easy to not know what you're doing because um, the things are changing so fast. But just help our, our grant recipients and those that support them be in a much better position as we exit this really tumultuous um, time. Um, and I, I'm just looking forward to what the future is going to bring uh, in our communities with, with this type of investment in so many different areas. It's pretty exciting in the grant world right now. Oh, absolutely. Well, Lucy, thanks so much for joining us. Um, if folks want to check out your templates and your classes and all the good stuff or follow you on LinkedIn, where, how, how do they find you? Where are the places they should go? Sure. So the, the first one is our website is my, M-Y, fed, F-E-D, trainer, T-R-A-I-N-E-R.com. Uh, so you can find out about our upcoming classes and our templates and everything at myfedtrainer.com. On LinkedIn, the easiest way to find me is to just search on Lucy Morgan CPA. If you just search on Lucy Morgan, there's a ton of us, but Lucy Morgan CPA, I will pop right up to the top. And then if you'd like to email me, my email is L is in Lucy, L Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, at my, M-Y, fed, F-E-D, trainer, T-R-A-I-N-E-R.com. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. As always, I was taking notes. I'm learning new things. Going to Google some old Holiday Inn commercials. <laughs> Going to gonna share some typesetting videos but in we all seriousness my it's, way. Just, it's such a pleasure thank yeah, you thanks. thank you so much for inviting me yeah thanks lucy Always if i can put in one plug more Absolutely. is that uh for those of you who are attending the gpa conference this fall we have an exciting uh presentation with I want, I'm going to say that it's battling podcasters, but uh, all three of us will be together and talking collaborating about collaborating podcasts. Yes, thank you. Collaborating podcasting, not like dueling banjos, uh, none of that. But uh, it's going to be a really good, good, fun presentation. I'm looking forward to it in November. Yeah. So if you don't know, you have the GPA conference. It's November 3rd through 6th in Seattle, but there's also a virtual component. And, uh, yeah, you get signed up and you can check out uh, Lucy and Kimberly and I. We're doing an Ask Me Anything in the grant realm. Let's we're doing caveat. Girl, we're doing a hybrid Ask Me Anything in the grant world. We got you remote. We got you in person. We and got there'll be a recording for us to release as a podcast later. It's all the Yeah, fun. so if you're hearing about this and the conference is over, you'll be able to catch this whole presentation out on the podcast. Yeah. Yay. It's true. Woohoo. Awesome. Thank you for listening. We wouldn't do it without you because we couldn't do it without you. Leave a review of Fundraising Heyday on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help spread the word. It really helps us get noticed and help more people and maybe entertain a little too. We're honored that you chose to spend time with us and we'd love for this podcast to be part of your professional development lineup. Thank you again to our Season 4 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, dhleonardconsulting.com, to download their latest free resources today. Thanks again for joining us. We appreciate you and hope you tune in in two weeks for our next episode. We're talking to Avi Schneier. He is the Principal Agile Transformation Consultant of Scrum, Inc. 
You've heard us talk about Scrum and how useful it is in getting work done in past episodes. But this time, we're talking to an expert in the trenches. Talk to y'all then. Bye.